0: Here we go. It is another episode of the In the Fourth Podcast with your host and yours truly, Cole Northrup. Man, we don't podcast for a couple days and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose in the sports world. We have the draft. We have quarterback controversy, quarterback drama that happened today on Tuesday, March 8th. I mean, my goodness, could it get of more of an explosive day? than what happened today. We have Aaron Rodgers news. We have Russell Wilson news. We have Jordan Davis just taking over the draft. We have LeBron and the Lakers getting beat by who? The San Antonio Spurs? I mean, there's just so many things to get to. But this is where we're going to start today. The things that happen behind closed doors are the things that usually surprise people the most, right? They say that your influence on the company, right, your job role, what people think of you, how you're perceived in your company doesn't happen when people are in front of you. It all happens behind closed doors. People talk about you, people talk about what they like, what they dislike, things that they would change, things that maybe are great characteristics about you, right? And off that judgment, you either get fired or you get a raise, right? You get a promotion. And you really find out what the company thinks of you when you decide to put the pedal to the metal and say, hey guys, I might be leaving here. And that company's going to look themselves in the mirror and they're either going to offer you another job, they're going to offer you that pay bump, right? Maybe a couple more extra days off. Or they're going to say, see you later. Don't let the door hit you, right? And that's really what's happened here with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. If you guys don't know, Russell Wilson got traded today. He got traded to the Denver Broncos. Him and a fourth rounder, right, the Bron- or the, the Seahawks sent. The Broncos, meanwhile, sent two first rounders, two second rounders, a fifth rounder, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and Noah Fant, who's a really, really good tight end, right? So in essence, they sent four young players, a kid that might make the team as a, as a fifth rounder, and Noah Fant for Russell Wilson. Talk about a steal, Okay, in my eyes, but we're not going to go down that route. What we're going to look at is the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson's relationship, right? Russell Wilson was a good soldier, got drafted in 2011, right? Takes Seattle to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, wins one of them, should have won two if they handed it to Marshawn, and was a good soldier throughout, right? Yes, Pete Carroll, not going to make an issue, go Hawks at the end of every interview, he was the ideal NFL quarterback. Everyone wanted him, right? And then you start to hear a couple little chirps, right, the end of 2018, 2019. Seahawks aren't going as far as they should. Seahawks aren't meeting expectations. Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer are, are, are being a little difficult to Russell Wilson. Well, what do we know about the NFL? It's an NFL QB league, right? That's the thing that turns the axis around the NFL. It's quarterbacks. And you don't hear it out of Kansas City. You don't hear it out of Buffalo, right? But you start to hear murmurs that Russell Wilson's unhappy. And last year, all of a sudden he comes out and says, hey guys, I really don't want to be traded, but if you guys did have the good fortune to trade me, you know, trade me to these couple places, whether that's the Saints, whether that's the Raiders, whether that's the Jets, right? What do all those have in common? They're big cities, right? It's not Northwest Seattle who only get on TV because Russell Wilson's the quarterback. No, no. Those are big brands. They're bigger brands than Seattle. Russell Wilson's going to be seen. His wife, Sierra, is going to be seen, right? Without them, if they played bad, guess what? They're still going to be put on TV. And the Seahawks, over the course of the last 12 to 14 months, looked themselves in the mirror just like your company would do you when you said, hey guys, I might want out of here. And the Seahawks said, hey, he's a generational quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback in the history of our franchise. Yes, sorry, Matt Hasselback. but we're going to get rid of him. And the Seahawks are going to end up, its this is going to be a mistake on their resume, on the resumes of John Schneider, their GM, on the resume of Pete Carroll, who's not going to be there probably after next year, Right. They're not going to have another Russell Wilson for five, 10 years. You know, if they were lucky and if they were smart, they would draft the Malik Willis kid out of Liberty and they'd call today the and hope, hope that he pops. But what they're probably going to do is they're going to start Drew Locke for two, two more years, right? Give him a good, honest chance. Say, you know, we tried to make it work without Russell Wilson. And then they're going to be in no man's land. They're not going to be on Monday Night Football, they're not going to be on Sunday Night Football. They're going to be put at the 4 o'clock window and hidden away by the NFL. Right? Just like the Pacific North, Northwest is. Meanwhile, you're going to have Russell Wilson in a completely new environment with an offensive coach and Nate Hackett who was best friends with Aaron Rodgers with all the weapons in the world and Javante Williams and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, right? You're going to have Russell Wilson, the commander-in-chief, the ability to cook when he wants, having an offensive head coach, not a head coach that's 70 and behind the times and wants to run the ball. No, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have that in Denver. Russell wants to compete with the best. He doesn't care that he has to go up against Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Derek Carr, who's by far easily the fourth best quarterback in the AFC West and probably would be the best quarterback in the NFC East. Right? So, as of today, we saw what the Seattle Seahawks thought about Russell Wilson. We saw how Russell made one little chirp, one little request saying, Hey guys, maybe I'm a little bit unhappy with my salary. Hey guys, maybe I'm a little unhappy with the amount of hours I'm working, right? Or the amount of weight I got to carry on my back for this franchise. And the Seahawks showed him the door. Just remember this. When two years, we don't hear about Seattle anymore. We just hear about the Rams, we hear about the Niners running that division, and the Seahawks are perpetually about 4-13. and okay? And when Denver makes the playoffs, and when Denver has an opportunity to play in the AFC title game, or play in the Super Bowl, just remember, it was the Seahawks that showed them the door. It was the Seahawks that made this decision by themselves, closed doors about Russell Wilson. Coming up next we got to talk about Aaron Rodgers, of course, right? And the massive contract extension that he got today. So when you look around the NFL and you look around all of sports and frankly, all of society, right? People get mad about particular subjects when it pertains to their personal life, right? Whether that's their significant other, which they should rightfully do whether that's politics because of their own viewpoints and what they and how they believe the country should be run and how certain situations should unfold. And lastly, money. People get upset around the idea and the talking about how money is consumed, how money is spent, how much money you're making, right? That's why in the workplace they don't, they don't want you to talk about money. It's going to cause people to feel undervalued or overappreciated, right? Depending on where you fall in that corporate scale. So it's funny because when you look at Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, he's made all of this hoopla in the past two, three, four years, right? About not getting enough help, right? Defense isn't good enough. Well, all of a sudden last year he has, you know, a top 10 defense a really bad special teams, but a top ten defense. Well, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the weapons. Okay, well he has Aaron. He has he has Devonte uh, Devonte Adams, the best wide receiver in the game, probably because of Aaron Rodgers partly, but the best wide receiver in the game. They go out. They draft an absolute hoss. That is AJ Dillon. So now he's got probably a top five running back duo in the league, right behind Cleveland and, and others. So you can check that off the list. He's got a pretty good tight end in Robert Tunyon. Yes, he blew his ACL out, Rip Robert Tunyon, but pretty good halfway through the year. And he's got a pretty good offensive line. You know, David Bartiari, future Hall of Famers on it. He's got a couple good plug-and-play pieces that overall give him, you know, a top 10, top 15 offensive line to play with. So Aaron Rodgers looks around and says, okay, they kind of got me in checkmate here. Well, what's the next play? So all we heard this offseason was, well, Aaron Aaron will come back, but Aaron will come back at the right price. That's the key. And if you don't match Aaron Rodgers' price, then he's going to go to Tennessee or he's going to go to Denver or he's just going to figure out a way to get out of town. He'll, hell, he'll retire before he plays for the amount of money that he played for. This year, being a back-to-back MVP, right? So, he decides today that the Green Bay Packers, if they were able to conjure up roughly, you know, $200 million, that, yeah, okay, I'll come back and play, but it's only going to be for four years. And I want to be the highest paid player at my position, and frankly, in the league. And the Packers did it. They did it. Because they looked themselves in the mirror and they said, Jordan Love's not our guy. We drafted him. We thought he was going to be able to replace Aaron Rodgers at this juncture in time. But he's not ready. That's a complete swing and a miss on a whiff by the Green Bay Packers front office, which historically has been pretty darn good. Okay? So, yeah, is it a bad optic that they didn't tell Aaron Rodgers about Jordan Love? Yeah, it is. And I bet you if they had the day over again, they would tell him. Okay? Okay? But they swung and they missed. And Jordan Love didn't work out. And now he's probably going to be on another team by the start of next season. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers, it came down to money. He wanted to be the highest paid player. Not only quarterback, but also in the league. That's what he wanted. And because he got it, now it's going to be smooth sailing. So when people in your office and people in sports... You know, start to make comments, start to make and do things that are maybe not in their usual actions. It's one of two things. It's organizationally they're upset and they want something different. They're trying to figure out a way out or they want to be paid more. And Aaron Rodgers wanted to be paid more. We all know that he's boys with Matt LaFleur. We all know that he enjoys being around Devonte Adams and David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones, right? Hell, he was at David Bakhtiari's wedding last weekend, okay? So we know, organizationally, they've made huge steps from where they were a year ago. He's now, apparently, he's able to be good friends with Brian Gutekunst, the Packers GM. So organizationally, that box is checked. It's not like Russell Wilson, where organizationally, he was frustrated, Right? Rogers wanted to be paid and Rogers got his money and now he's going to stay in Green Bay and it's probably going to be the same old, same old they go and they whip up on Detroit and they whip up on Minnesota and Chicago for the next couple years. And they probably get bounced in the second round by a team that's a little bit tougher than them, like a Niners, like a Rams, like whoever else is going to come out of the NFC because it's so dang weak. But that's just going to be the story of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So credit to him. $153 million guaranteed today to Aaron Rodgers. Probably got a $75 million signing bonus. Credit to him. But just remember, when people do adverse things out of character, usually it's because of the organization or because of money. Coming up next, we got to talk about the star of the draft. That is Jordan Davis. The defensive tackle. The mountain on skates of Georgia. So the star of the show in Indy this past weekend at the NFL Draft wasn't a quarterback. It wasn't the corner out of LSU. It wasn't a receiver. You know, it wasn't one of those Ohio State receivers, Chris Olave. It wasn't Jamison Williams who's coming off an ACL. It was none of them. It was, frankly, the entire Georgia defense, right? They're going to have six of their seven front seven players drafted in the top 40, right? But one guy in particular, Jordan Davis, he's six foot six, 341 pounds, and he did things that physically shouldn't be humanly possible, right? So there's this composite score called an RAS score, a relative. Athletic score. So basically, the bigger and the faster you are, the slower you should be, right? Or the less explosive you should be because a human body shouldn't be able to do that, right? A guy at 5'8, 145 pounds should be able to run faster than a guy that's 6'6, six, six, 341 pounds, right? Well, this 6'6, six, six, 341 pounder, this absolute mammoth of a person, this really healthy young man, right? decided to go out there and run a 4-7-8 40-yard dash. That's faster than Baker Mayfield. That's almost as fast as Keenan Allen, right, who ran a 40 during their relative combines. That's insane to think about, okay? He also had a vertical jump of 32 inches, which is insane. A guy being able to jump that high at that weight shouldn't be possible. And lastly... And I think the most impressive thing that he did on Saturday was Jordan Davis had a 10-foot-3 broad jump. Not only was it more than a foot longer than any other previously recorded 300-pounder in Combine history, but it was equal to what Chris Olave did in the broad jump as well from Ohio State, the receiver who's going to be a top-20 pick. That's what Jordan Davis was. Okay. And for context, this RAS score that Jordan Davis had, a nine point nine nine, right? He the RAS has has seventeen thousand combine entries into their system. Okay. So seventeen thousand different players have been put into this RAS system. You know what Jordan Davis came out as? The number two player ever to be recorded. Number one was Calvin Johnson, and number two was Jordan Davis. How insane is that? Better than Cam, better than Odell, better than Josh Allen, better than Julio, all these guys, all of them, Aaron Donald, all of them, you name it, the only guy better than him was Calvin freaking Johnson, Megatron. So if you're an NFL team, this guy before the draft, before the combine, was predicted to be you know, roughly that LA Chargers 17th pick overall range, right? Philly, Eagles. Eagles. All the way down to the Bills at 25. that's was kind of the range that he was supposed to go in. But if you, ha, if you see these scores, and you see this absolute freak of nature human being doing what he did on the field in Indy on Saturday night, and you don't rethink where you need to draft him if you're the Carolina Panthers in the top 10, if you're the New York Jets who have two top 10 picks, if you're the Giants who have Leonard Williams but have two top 10 picks and compare him with Leonard Williams you need to reassess what you're doing as an organization because that guy that guy is a freak he's an absolute freak of nature okay i th- he'd be a top 10 pick in my book and i wouldn't think about it right and people say well what's the knock on Jordan Davis oh well he only played 66% of the snaps at Georgia right he was a f- first down second down guy he would come out on third down well you know what If I was Georgia and I had 15 five-star defensive players like they do, I would want to rotate my guys too because they're all damn good. So the entire Georgia defense rotated. It wasn't just Jordan Davis. okay? And Jordan Davis, what it also shows you is he has untapped pass rush potential. So if you get him in an NFL system with a really good defensive line coach, he's going to cause some havoc. He's going to be able to learn and really be able to vault his skills from where they are in college. That's the upside. This guy could be more dominant than Aaron Donald. He's bigger. He's faster. He's—he Frankly, probably stronger, right? This guy's doing things that a human shouldn't be able to do. I mean, if you're the Jags and you take him, I honestly, I can't be mad. I can't be mad because he's going to be just sitting in the hole. If you told me he's a guaranteed... Ten to twelve year starter, possible Hall of Fame. Book it, lock it in, done. Right? I don't see how you can't take him now. Evan Neal's probably going to be their pick for the Jaguars first overall. It makes sense. You got to protect Trevor Lawrence. But man, if you are Detroit and you are staring at Jordan Davis, ooh, it's tough to pass up with Justin Fields in the in the division with Aaron Rodgers and immobile Kirk, Kirk Cousins in the division. It's tough to pass up. It's tough to do it. Same if you're Houston, and you can go down the list and say, man, man, oh man, how do we miss this guy? Because if he's a freak, say, for example, like DK Metcalf was his first year with Seattle, people are going to look at themselves and say, it was all right there. It was in Indy. We saw it in Indy. How did we not pick this guy, right? I think his floor for the draft is the Chargers. I don't think the Chargers... I don't think he slides past the Chargers if he manages to get there. Why? Because we know the Chargers' run defense is just its just really bad based off the defense that they play. Cover two, they want to live in a too high shell. They need to have run stuffers that are like Jordan Davis. So I don't think he gets past the Chargers at 17. But if you're every team, if you're the Eagles and you can pair him with Fletcher Cox, where he could learn from Fletcher Cox, right? You have three first-round picks. I don't see how you don't do it. I mean, you get the back half years of Fletcher Cox, you get Jordan Davis and you just replace him and boom, you're good for another 10-12 years with probably the best nose tackle in the game outside Aaron Donald. Right? How dominant of a force that can be in today's NFL. So, that guy's a freak. I am so excited to see where he goes. But if you would have told me that it wasn't the that it wasn't the quarterback position that would have made headwaves at at the NFL combine. Shout out Kenny Pickett's 8 Eight inch five hands or whatever it was, tiny hands picket. Um I would have said you're lying, but you know what? That Georgia defense and Jordan Davis were on a different level. And congrats to him. I appreciate you guys tuning in on this Wednesday episode of the pod. And I'll talk to you guys real soon. Hopefully, break it.